We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another busy day for your Cleveland Browns. Starts out with a trade. You get roster cuts. You have a lot of things happening quickly. We have all of it covered for you here at the OBR. Myself, Andrew Spade, breaking down the Browns trade for Pierre Strong Jr., going through the great news about Marquise Goodwin and what he will add back to the wide receiver room. We'll update you on the Browns roster moves that cut the team down to 75 on the roster, including a key wide receiver name that has been let go. Then finally, we will cover the 53-man roster after our rough draft last week, our final predictions today. All of your Sunday news is covered here, preparing you for what should be also a busy day of Monday news as well, all on the latest OBR Film Breakdown. All right, we're live. Welcome into the show. Myself, Andrew Spade, are here to talk about what was a really busy Sunday. It doesn't feel like Sunday as we're recording this. It feels like a weekday, but you're listening to this on Monday, and you have a fresh pile of Cleveland Browns news that happened on a busy Sunday. There is only one and final preseason game going on right now as Andrew and I record this uh, between I think it's Houston and the Saints. C.J. Stroud looking a little bit more competent every week. He's going to be fun this year. The rosters are starting to get crazy. They're going to be cut down, and we saw evidence of that in a variety of ways uh, all day Sunday, Andrew. What's up, man? And uh, welcome into the the busiest pot of the day. I get. I mean, I like the I week <laughs> or the month. All these cuts are happening so fast, man. They're going to be crazy over the next few days. They're compacting three weeks of decisions into a couple days. Yeah, it's Jake. We we talked. We had a lot of conversations you and I through the dead period. I, you know, I really started doing this podcast with you after free agency. You know, into like post-draft time when there wasn't much to talk about and we scraped together content for weeks and months you know uh just just pulling it out of you know where and all of a sudden now it's that time of year where every time we get together we're going to have six or seven things to talk about and it's such a relief it feels so good to just i've got take i've got a belt full of takes here just ready to unload take after take after take opinion after opinion all of them wrong all of them uneducated and it's, it'll, it's going to be a deluge. 
Uh, well, the the it's like a construction belt, right? A worker's belt, just full of options for correct. For yeah, it's all a tool the problems. Belt. It's like one of those double decker tool belts. Yeah, uh-huh. with, with leather uh-huh. and and there's a nail gun. It's it's a lot. You feel important with those on too. So let's talk about it, man. There's the first big piece of news of the day is that they made a trade. This is yeah. a is this the second trade that they have made now? Um, yeah, in this wheeling and period. Dealing. So wheeling and dealing. They decide to trade for running back depth, which I, again, think was a wise idea, which we have talked about because they are going to be attacking the waiver wire market without a really great priority in the waiver wire. Right. And I think like, like we've noted, uh, there's some teams, Minnesota, Dallas, among others who will be really into that running back market. It is not going to be very deep. So they found a trade partner for a player selected, ironically, not too far in front of Jerome Ford in the 2022 NFL draft. They go out and get Pierre Strong Jr., South Dakota State product. They decide to move on from Tyrone Wheatley, who, again, we liked, but yeah. I left that trade going. I'm I This is a spot that I really enjoy. Like, I would have had a, a tougher time dealing Nick Harris, I think, would have been a little tougher to stomach. But again, I, I think that, we've talked about in post games and and some of these shows that we like Wheatley. Like I thought he had a chance an outside chance to make the roster. I would not have been surprised if he did. Now, granted they used him as a, a, an important cog in going out and getting a player that is clearly going to be on the field in some way, shape or form does tell you that we were onto something with thinking that Tyron Wheatley was a player. So, you know, it's not to say that he wouldn't have been on this roster. Some people are trying to be like, well, he was a practice squad player. I don't think we can confirm that he was a practice no. squad player. There was a chance he was making this roster, and they used him in a way I think was really productive, which is to improve running back uh, depth. If you're very, very interested in Pierre Strong Jr., we wrote up something at the OBR. We wrote up a film room. I tried to watch as much as I possibly could from his snap. Now, again, he played like a Jerome Ford role his rookie year where he's behind Ramondre Stevenson, behind Damian Harris, and he just wasn't getting a ton of run because both of those guys stayed relatively healthy. He got a couple weeks late in the year, 14 and 15, like Vegas and the Cardinals of some carries. But again, it was like six carries, five, six carries in those games. So it wasn't like he started, but he just didn't get an opportunity. So it would be like New England wasn't all too serious about him. Still, they were. This would be if the Browns. It's a great cross example. The 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 Patriots love Stevenson. The Browns obviously love Nick Chubb, but they the Browns decided we want to believe in Jerome Ford. He can handle this backup role. While New England said it's a little more unproven here with Pierre, so we would prefer to get a veteran in here, thus burying him down the roster a little bit. The pecking order and becoming an expendable piece in their opinion. That would be like the Browns going out and signing a Leonard Fournette and then Jerome Ford being a spot that you deal from strength over to ship that guy off for something somewhere else. So the Browns still believe in Jerome Ford. I don't think it moves the needle there, Andrew, but I am curious your general take about, you know, you've seen the film. I think you've read a little bit of what I wrote and you've consumed probably a lot. Uh, what you think of Pierre Strong at this point and then sort of how you felt about moving on from from Wheatley. Definitely, you know, grinding all all ten carries, you know, all seven receptions, just really chomping chomping on the film all afternoon. You know how I'm a preseason too. Yeah. Buddy. Oh, you all gotta right. yeah, you gotta grind that preseason tape. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you, know. you gotta you gotta earn your stripes. I had the my visor on backwards and I was running the projector. 
Um, this is this is OBR film breakdown at its core. That's what we do here. That's the shop name. That's right. right? Yeah. So the hat and, and it be has to be both of us, even though I don't know what I'm looking at. I did though. I mean, I looked at I you know I uh some of you know some of his snaps from last year in the regular season were up on Twitter, and so I watched those, and it just jumped. His speed jumps off the off the tape at you. It really does. Um, it's such such a common thing in the NFL where guys from college that have speed come into the league and it doesn't translate right i mean harrison bryant was a an athlete just as an example was a was a really good athlete in college was kind of constantly outmatching guys at florida atlantic he comes into the league and he can't make anybody miss to save his life now pierre strong comes from south dakota state fcs right and you see some clips where you see that suddenness that burst change of direction and long speed translate at the nfl level and I think it really pays off a college evaluation. Uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski said in in the media availability today that they were they had done their work on Pierre Strong going into the draft last year. So he may very well have actually been the pick at that Jerome Ford spot if he doesn't go. And so, you know, I think then you get a chance to see a little bit of it last year that confirms what you thought, that he is that kind of an athlete. It does translate to the NFL level. And then that makes the sort of buyer's decision that the Browns made today a little bit easier, right? Because now you kind of feel like we've seen it from Ford. We've seen explosiveness from Ford and we've seen it from strong. That's really a a great one, two of guys that can come come in fresh, hit the hole hard, make somebody miss, you know, third down, make a play, those sorts of things. And I, and I think both of them can kick return as well, which, you know, with what happened with Jakeem Grant, you know, that's another uh, skill to have for sure. Yeah, he's different. I think he's different than uh, some of what Jerome does. His his background is not like he comes from South Dakota State where he was just athletically more gifted than everybody. He's a right. an elite runner where he runs a 4-3-7 with really strong 20 and 10 yard splits. The explosion grade is really good. The vertical stuff. So he he's certainly an NFL athlete and a plus runner uh, as far as like we mentioned there, the long speed and the, in the start and the start build up a portion of that. He can get going quickly. It is a matter of him for a couple different things. His tape in college, some drop issues were there. I think he's been relatively okay receiving the football. The hands look soft. Like he can, he can reel a football in. It's not fighting it. So I'm encouraged by that. If, if the opportunity upticks a little bit, um, I don't think he's going to be a blessed between the tackles runner from like a duo under center perspective, but I think from the gun inside zone, some of that outside zone pin pull lateral stuff that they like to do, he should be fine and comfortable with that. And then I think that the the pass protection stuff, while not good yet, there's some encouraging signs since his rookie preseason when he did struggle in that department, because you ask any rookie running back taking on blitzes and knowing who's scanning the mic to the will, who you're supposed to block and understanding that the different types of athletes you're seeing blitz the quarterback at this level compared to what you're dealing with in whatever level of college, it is something. So he's improving there, not a refined product yet, but certainly better than Demetric Felton. He is more explosive than Demetric Felton, but I think he also still has that wiggle that Felton has uh, done a nice job this preseason of making a man miss. Uh, but the thing, the difference is once he makes a man miss, it's sort of like he's just he doesn't he doesn't get vertical very quickly. He's he is not an explosive stop start guy. So 
the wiggles there, that's nice making somebody miss, but there's just no next level gear that you see that's so important. I think Strong has that. And I've been pretty comfortable saying, I think he can make a man miss in space. He's got film that shows that. And then I think as well, he is, uh, he's an improving contact balance runner. I think at times during his early stints in new England, he was going down too easily or shying away from that sort of powerful finish to a run, uh, that he, I think he's capable of again, he was a 4,500 yard rusher at South Dakota state three time, all conference player was, um, an all American his senior year. We ran for 14, 1500 yards, 18 touchdowns. So he's, he's accomplished and he's an athletic enough player to handle it. I think just much like Jerome Ford, it is a player that just needs opportunity. Now he's competing directly with Jerome Ford. We'll see how healthy Jerome Ford is when he comes in uh, to whatever scenario he's coming right. back to, whether that's it's going to be a week one at this point. I don't think he's coming back this week. Yeah. So that's the big those two are going to be right? for sure. And those two are directly competing for many things, not just opportunities that, you know, there's not a three running back role here. You can have a secondary back. You can ask Dearness Johnson, who sat on the bench all year. There's just not a third running back type of role here. And that's there shouldn't be. That's just that's too much. But you do like the depth for injuries. But those two are competing for the same backfield touches. They're also competing for the same kickoff return opportunities. Strong only returned five at, at South Dakota State. Wasn't a part of what he did. But in the NFL, he's returned 15 across the preseason, uh, two preseasons and regular season. So he has at least been in the position of kick returning. I don't think he's shown anything that makes you feel as good as I feel about it as Jerome Ford performed last year. But as we know, that's a diminishing part of the game at this point. I mean, in the next five years, you could see kick returns completely gone or or even, you know, they could do the XFL theory. It's just going to evaporate slowly. But uh, there's what I'm getting at there is that those two are now directly competing. And I feel like there wasn't competition for Jerome Ford. It was just him. And then Demetric Felton, who I hope Felton comes, you know, clearly. Let me say this. And we'll talk about it in the 53. There's a chance Felton still makes the roster if they keep four backs just because he's got so much experience for any sort of wild crisis, whether a wide receiver or running back, he's returned punts, he's returned kicks. He's kind of done a little bit of everything. Nothing that makes you stand up and and shout. He's like a master of none, right? Like he just is sort of out. He can do a bunch of things, but he doesn't really have anything that he provides above and beyond. So my point is Ford has competition, stepping up the, 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 the talent level in the running back room. I don't like losing Wheatley, who I thought was a fun de- developmental project, but I understand why they did it. And there's Buzz Andrew that, that New England, who is trying to rebuild some faith in the offense after the wild decisions they made as uh, who was calling plays and yeah. just taking Mac Jones into a different level, tiers below what he was as a rookie. They seem to be in an offensive line crisis there. So the Browns have connected on a trade with New England, the one-for-one swap, Mac Wilson for Chase Winovich, I would say that one didn't really work out for either team. No. Um, maybe this one does, though. You know, Maybe this one-for-one swap does, and Wheatley ends up turning into a decent tackle for them. I think there's a chance. I think he could yeah. He could do it. You can see the athleticism on tape this preseason. You could see why he was a former skill position player, and uh, if that translates and it clicks, I don't think he's quite ready, but there's some buzz that he might be forced to play a little bit early for them. Yeah, they've got they've got a weird situation there with their tackles. You know, Trent Brown and and Riley Reef are both just pretty you know unreliable in terms of injury issues. So you need you need a lot of depth there, and so he's at least going to be a second string tackle for them. And and 
you know, depending on how health stuff plays out for those those guys ahead of him, could could end up on the field. You know, big picture, uh, you like the steps that he's taken. It's it's worth just reminding everybody that he was a practice squad player last year, added to the practice squad in September after the season started, uh, and um, then got the futures contract after the end of the season. So that you know that kind of tells you that he showed something. They wanted to bring him back for another go round, another off season. Get him in the you know the Bill Callahan uh, Scott Peters program. Put the put the work in. Obviously, it paid off. He looked great in the preseason. I think in some ways, um, it's it's never apples to apples with offensive linemen because you you know the other team is rotating there through their depth as well. But I think in some ways he outplayed uh, James Hudson at times. You know, and is just just kind of a different physically a different kind of guy, right? Um, you know, he he's more he's not the size of Dewan Jones, but he's more in that mold of being you know, really solid at the point of attack where James Hudson's got some, you know, it's something you mentioned last week, some trouble kind of holding up against uh, strength. And so, you know, there's, there's a part of me that is, you know, wonders could they have traded Hudson, kept Wheatley, but then you've really got such a lack of experience at tackle that it becomes a concern and you don't know what the trade market for Hudson looks like relatively. So I, I think this is a great example of taking an asset that, you know, is a freely available player, uh, he was a street free agent last September and turning him into, you know, they traded him for a player that the Browns, uh, the Patriots drafted in the fourth round. Right. So that's trading nothing for a fourth round pick, essentially, in terms of if, if you take away the names and just talk about the assets used to acquire those players. I think it, you know, I have at times been critical of the coaching staff and their struggles in developing young players. This is obviously an area, you know, offensive line development where they have been more successful this is a, a you know credit to the front office for identifying a player with with potential credit to the coaching staff for bringing him along and turning you know essentially nothing into something pretty valuable and so now you've got kind of two still a little bit lottery tickets right at uh, running back right athletic guys young guys inexperienced guys as you said but i think both guys that you have reason to expect can produce when called upon this year for the browns and then the question becomes do they feel the need to add that sort of, you know, veteran presence to give them a little bit more peace of mind uh, behind those guys or in addition to those guys in, in more of a, you know, four running back room? I don't see the pressing need for that just because I think Nick Chubb is so reliable. And yeah. I think the the offense pivoting gives them a little bit more leeway uh, for that role. Uh, I You know, I don't expect many games where the goal is going to be to have Nick Chubb touch it 35 times, right? But I could also see, like, it wouldn't surprise me if they said, no, we do need a guy that has kind of been there and done that in the league. Uh, whether that's a guy like Jordan Wilkins coming back to the practice squad, somebody that's already been with the team, or them, you know, looking at a street free agent. I mean, Leonard Fournette has been the name, right, uh, that could yeah. be around the team and kind of helpful in a way that that's strong and Ford kind of can't be just because they don't have the experience. Yeah, plus at running back is a spot that it feels like you can – you can call on somebody week four, week five, if a serious injury happens and have an answer, right? Like it just feels like you can find a, and it happens every year. There's like a veteran back who signs early in the season. You know, we right. had a lot of those veterans go uh, recently. We even saw mm -hmm. Josh Jacobs resign for a, a one-year contract with the Raiders to help calm down like 19,000 million fantasy owners out there. Um, <laughs> so these running backs are just, again, they're in a weird spot of, when do they sign? And, and, but again, to me, you, you can go into a season with some young guys you're trying to believe in. And then, you know, the Browns are what week five or six by 
if they don't feel comfortable at that point, then you yeah. bring in a back, you bring in a veteran. And I think they could do that Great sort point. of thing if they wanted to. Uh, to, to retreat real quick on Hudson. Yeah. You know, I think that the, the guard stuff for me was really interesting, yeah. you know, moving him inside. And I think that again, these trades sort of materialize. If you listen to Andrew Barry on the, on the game day show or third quarter, when he interviewed, that Dobbs trade came about very abruptly and out of nowhere. They were not anticipating right. it. All in one I day, wouldn't yeah. be surprised if this was a similar thing mm-hmm. where we like Wheatley. We're going to get Hudson some snaps inside because we think Wheatley could play, right? Uh, if we wanted to have him as our active game day guy or whatever. And then it just materialized. Hey, we got, you know, we know you guys are we're looking at your situation. We know what you guys need. You have what we need. We have what you need. Right. Let's talk. Yep. And it comes together that quickly. So, um, you know, it's always funny to me because, you know, we're on our side with the Winovich and Mac Wilson trade. It was like the Browns side couldn't get rid of Mac Wilson quick enough. New England side couldn't get rid of Chase Winovich quick enough. Both sides are writing up stories about how these guys can really help. And uh, it kind of feels like the same thing. Although Wheatley's such an unknown, I feel like New England yeah. people are trying to put that together. They don't seem all too heartbroken that they lost Pierre Strong. But again, to me, why would you be? He hasn't been given an opportunity. Right. And that could be nothing. And that's what I wrote today in the story. He could be a nothing burger. He could be yep. a, a zero impact player for this organization. Mm-hmm. But the traits, the, the, the athletic ability... And the opportunity is good here to give that sort of lotto ticket a chance. And I think that they made the right decision yeah. to, to do it that way. You know what I mean? When, yeah. When's the last time they've had a running back with this type of long speed? You know, I mean, I know Nick Chubb is fast, right? But he's not Pierre Strong fast. Yeah, Nick is football fast. Right. I'd be interested to see how fast those two would be if they ran next to each other. No, but as far as just sheer athleticism... Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I know Duke Johnson you are, had quite a you bit. Are. Of... I mean, I don't know what Duke's flat 40 time was. Yeah. Like, he was more shift than yeah, burst. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Boy, I, I don't it, it know what back. the last. It goes back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm sure there's some people probably laughing at like, if you're dating back before like Trent Richardson, are you getting in? You're, you just would have to go back and remember what some of those 40 times were for some of those. Right different types of guys that they had sort of out yeah. of nowhere. I mean, it, it doesn't even yeah. really matter what the answer is. The, the point is, is that they, this is a skill set they haven't really had, certainly in the Stefanski era, right? I mean, Kareem Hunt was not this yeah. type of back. Dearness Johnson was not this type of back. Um, you know, this type of breakaway speed is not something they have had in the organization. Agreed. Um, Montario Hardesty. I don't know. I'm just throwing that in there. <laughs> um, anyway. Name some dudes. Yeah, name some dudes, right? Uh, Ruben Drones. So uh, we'll 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 shift to off of that one. It's just such a weird thing with Hudson because there have been times where he, like, when he started two games last year at the beginning of the year, yeah, he was pretty good. Yep. And then like he would come in late in some of those games at the end of last year, and he was, it was like he was disinterested and not trying and, and yeah. getting his quarterback kill. I, he's a weird. He's in a weird spot. We'll leave it at that. We'll see yep. how that situation shakes out. But having him become some part of an interior Chris Hubbard like role, like you have referenced many times feels like a great outcome for him. Just yeah, sort of being agreed. around the organization and able to step in interior or at tackle in any pinch. They wouldn't, you know, they, they like to wand and I feel pretty good about that, but there's also still a need and, you know, Hudson has to be ready and there has to be faith that Hudson can still do it to a, to an extent. So, all right, that trade caught us by surprise. I would say the bigger surprise, though, was Marquise Goodwin news. So we get news that Goodwin is coming off of, um, is it the NFI list? What's the list he's on? Non-football injury yeah, list? Or, yep. 
Okay, so he comes off of that list, is eligible to start practicing, and throws a wrench into the 53-man roster situation. <laughs> a delightful now feels wrench. Like it's a great wrench because he wrench. has something that nobody – and people will say, well, they needed speed and they went out and traded for Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is the wide receiver version of of Jarvis Landry, but who is just in general more athletic. Like what mm-hmm. I'm saying is Elijah Moore is not a burner. Mm-hmm. He can run. He's explosive, but he's not a burner by nature. Like Marquise Goodwin can flat out run and track a football and yep. is still playing really good football as recently as last year. So, so what's sort of interesting about the Goodwin stuff here is the timing of all of it, right? So you figure out that this happens. It, it, it sort of started the symptoms, the shortness of breath had started in June. It didn't get announced until July, but I think, at the start of training camp, people think that's when it started. You know what I mean? And that's not when it started. So they've been tracking, tracing, testing this with him for a while. And it feels like to me that if you, again, if you've been paying attention to what Andrew and I have been saying, all of these events he's been around. So when it breaks at training camp, I know specifically you and I were like, well, why is he there? If this is a long-term thing, which if you you hear a lot of people who either do this for a living and they're on Twitter or whether they're out there publicly as a doctor or they're kind of hidden behind their Twitter account, they, there will be people that will talk about this stuff and they'll talk about the anticoagulants you have to go on to, 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 to put yourself in a blood thinning situation to be able to avoid the blood clots and stuff like that. People were just surprised that he's hanging around or, or not, not hanging around, but they're surprised by this announcement. But I, again, Andrew, I thought, it was weird that he was hanging around like all of this stuff on the sidelines. He was working out. He was moving. He wasn't just sitting there. And like, to me, if you know, you have a blood clot issue that is going to derail your chances to play football this season, this isn't high school ball. Like he's going to go be with his fan. Like he's not going to be there on the sideline wearing his number 19 shirt. Like I think that when it broke, they've been in serious test mode, figuring out the, the, the implications of this, what does it look like? What does your future have to do? Like, how do we handle all of this? 90% of which, maybe 95, maybe 99% of which we'll never be privy to. It's not our business. But like, it felt to me like there was this, hey, you have this. There's a chance by the by by this date toward the season, we can reevaluate and see if this is feasible to play. I would imagine, you tell me if I'm wrong, Andrew, that they went all the way up to the Cleveland Clinic and well beyond his personal doctor. There's a huge team. It's like just the Browns team doctors are making this decision. He has a large contingency of people helping him make this decision. It clearly got to a point that, that in my mind, what happened, they tell him about it. They warn him about it. They talk through a plan. You can hang out, go to training camp, do these things while we work through what we should do, what the tests look like, stay involved because it could work out that you can play. And it's there. He would not be, in my opinion, a guy who risked everything. He's been in the league a long time. He's yeah. got a lot of personal track record with, with unfor- if you've paid attention to his life and some tragic stuff, like he wouldn't put his life in jeopardy to do this. So while I understand there are a lot of you who are very smart in this field, I just feel like there's a level of trust here that has to go to the team that's behind solving this, whether good or bad. And the decision to put him on the field is important to know that there's a plan in place there. We'll leave it at that. I'll ask you, Andrew, 
you can add to anything I just said, but also like, doesn't this feel like getting Pierre strong and then also getting Goodwin back? It just changes a lot of the feel of the, of the ways they can attack now. Right. Yeah. You're talking about two, four, three guys, right. Um, you know, kind of out of nowhere. Right. Because I think, uh, because of everything you said, I, and, and a little bit of some of the back channel stuff that, that the media was talking about, like when they were down in West Virginia, when this first, when this news first came out, I think the expectation was that he was going to be done for the year. And so, you know, talking about Goodwin. And so for this to kind of come out of nowhere, like you said today and, and hit where he's, he's back and he's been around the team. He's been, he's been in the meeting. So I think he knows the offense. He knows where he needs to be and, and he's a veteran. So he's got that piece. Uh, it's, it's a, it's like a switch flipped, you know, and, and then you add that with the Pierre strong acquisition where, you know, like, like you said before, might not pan out, but, but speed plays in the NFL. We know that, right. We know, you know, the reason the dolphins did what they did last year in, in large part was because they have two really fast wide receivers that open up things for other players. So even if the ball's not going to Marquise Goodwin, the fact that he's on the field changes the way the defenses play. And if Pierre Strong can show a little bit of that same asset, then he can be that same sort of player where, all right, it's a third and whatever, Strong's on the field and they they motioned him out wide. We gotta kinda we gotta tilt our coverage that way, and that gives you something favorable on the backside, right? Like yeah. th- this this stuff, as much as this is about what these players can do, it's about what Kevin Stefanski can do with players like this. That's really what it's about. It's another tool in his toolbox. You talked about it being a wrench <laughs> in the roster. This is this is a these are tools for Kevin Stefanski to play with. And I, I think he's got to be delighted, right? Because he was looking at a scenario where they didn't have four three speed on their offensive roster, and now they've got two guys that can that can move like that. It changes the math for them offensively. Yeah, it does. It does. It just the big thing I think of when when you're getting him back is is sort of like safety alignment, right? You you just can't you can't play safeties. Uh, you know, either it's a corner that has to be at serious depth or a safety shaded in that general direction. Whether that's cover six and you're going to cloud flat him and over the top, right? You're going to do those things to him. That involves a safety being in his direction, and when you put safeties where Andrew further away from the line of scrimmage that helps number 24 that helps yep, play calling exactly. that helps a lot of different things they can do um it's a it's a really great outcome i have to say before we go to the next part i was looking up because i'm a sicko montario hardesty <laughs> elite ras score 97 but only a 449 40 yeah. guy yeah 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 um, what was, what was Jerome then, Harrison way back when I was, I was the next one I looked at. Hey, all right. like, I remember Jerome Harrison had some breakaway speed, another pretty strong RAS guy out of Washington state and eight, seven, four, four, two, only a four, guess. five, a four, five, oh, one, four, five. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's funny. Eli- Elijah Moore. Yeah. A four, three, five. Okay. So I'm disrespecting his long speed a little all bit. Right. So we've got I three, four, just, three guys now. You do. And yeah. I just, uh, I just, you know, I want to see a little more of that downfield stuff from Elijah Moore. Let's put it that way. But yeah. I would just, I, I want to, I want to say while we're here before mm. we move on, mm. I'm a little still worried about the gadgetary stuff with Elijah Moore. Yeah. Do, yeah, yeah. Make him, make mm-hmm. him a wide receiver all the time. Right. I don't, I, every now and again, but yeah. I don't want like 15 snaps a game where he's doing weird stuff. Like I want him running routes, man. He's a the, great route runner. The best case scenario for that 
is that they're trying to give Lou Anarumo indigestion for week one, right? Yes, which is why I think they did some 13 personnel this yeah. past week. And with Zyre Mitchell Payton running with right. the first group, it's like, yeah, you're just trying to make them prepare for, yeah. come on, what are we yeah. doing here? Yeah. So one other thing about Goodwin before we do move on, he was also getting a ton of press in the, in mini camps in the off season program yeah. for being a, a high energy vocal guy in the wide receiver room. Mm -hmm. And we yep. know that uh, Amari Cooper is is very quiet. He's in he's the Nick Chubb mode, right? Um, and uh, and Elijah Moore comes in, but is also a work first guy that is not super outspoken. The offense has struggled at times for veteran leadership that will kind of tell guys where to be, how to be, you know, to get their heads out of their asses from time to time. Marquise Goodwin is that kind of a guy. And so having yeah. him not just like around, but actually on the field, that helps to to raise the temperature of that room a little bit. And I think it, I think it really is going to play out. You know, it, it, I don't want to overhype his on the field contribution, right? Because he's he's not a starting wide receiver for this team. But I think they both in terms of his demeanor and his on the field athleticism, they didn't have a guy like that in the room, and now they do. So the thing that's good, two things, he's been around, he's never left. He's, he's been yeah. involved in all the stuff. So the, the mental aspect will have never left, but I think you're right. There's, there's two, there's two veteran variable players that we think are going to be, they're similar in, in attitude, right? The, you know, Rodney McLeod is one and then uh, Marquise Goodwin guys yes, who have been around the league a exactly. long time yeah, 30, 30 for a reason. Yep. Yeah. 30 somethings that have seen a lot, done a lot, heard a lot, seen a lot. I think said seen twice, no matter what they've seen a lot of things <laughs> and they have the respect of those around them. And I continue to heart back on what you and I saw before the preseason game against Washington, where every player was dressed yet. They're listening to one guy in particular. Exactly. I think some things happen in that wide receiver room where Goodwin mm -hmm. just has the ear of young players. So um, it's an, it's very interesting. I, I think it's, it's super helpful and, and very unexpected. It's like making a trade. It, re it really is like making a trade. Um, Okay, speaking of uh, roster movement, uh, yeah. we are going to talk to you about the the trim down to 75. Now, as you're listening to this at some point on Monday, it could have already changed. They could make some more announcements in the morning, but we're doing everything we can before 10 p.m. here on Sunday night. What we know is that Jakeem Grant's news was the news that you didn't want to hear, that there was a, a torn or ruptured or whatever the the part of that. <laughs> would, I mean, not to laugh at his, that situation. It's awful. But whatever that is to the patella tendon, it is um, it's the worst case scenario. So he is done for the year. I don't know if he'll continue playing football. And Achilles and patella tendon in two straight two straight years with no game action in between, like like just that's really hard. It's a really hard mental burden. I went back and watched his 2016 Texas Tech highlights today just to just to see him out of speak like with Mahomes. God, they were dangerous, those two together. Because like, I, I had thought, because I saw something about Mahomes with him after the game. And I was like, I'd forgotten about that connection at Texas Tech back in the day. So yeah. Um Jakeem was special college football player and had great moments in Miami. Uh, so so all the positive vibes we can send to him are are, are being sent because that's a terrible situation. So he's on injured reserve. They waive nine players, Caleb Biggers. Uh, the cornerback, uh, linebacker Cam Bright, tight end Miller Forrestal, tight end Thomas Greeny, cornerback Gavin Heslop, tackle Derek Kelly the second, safety Nate Meters, 
the biggest name that gets waived is Anthony Schwartz with an injury designation. He's let go. And then Jalen Wayne also let go uh, via wave. And then their two vested veterans contracts were terminated in Colby Gossett and Jordan Wilkins. Now, again, these are just basic announcements. This does not mean any of these guys are gone, gone. They can bring these guys back to the practice squad if they pass through waivers. So the names that you would think are of, of some potential to be claimed. I think of those nine waived players, Anthony Schwartz is the only one that you could maybe see some team saying worth a shot, something right now. He's injured. You would have to bring him on and get crazy to keep him. That's why I certainly do. I don't think that somebody would have regardless, but the young age and the speed could have like maybe the Cardinals, right? With, with Petsing is like, I could do something with him here. Um, but the injury designation, what they do there is that if he goes through waivers, he's coming back to Cleveland on the IR. So he'll still be around the organization, but it feels to me like all nine of these guys will go unclaimed. You tell me if you think I'm wrong there, Andrew, I think all nine of those guys go unclaimed. Are there names there that you would, you would want, not we, not, not necessarily what we think they'll do, but just guys that you would want to bring back to the practice squad. Yeah, it's it's a lot of the guys that I thought were at the at the end of the roster, not to toot my own horn, right? But a lot of those a lot of these guys actually have come in since the beginning of training camp, right? Um Cam Bright, Gavin Heslop, Derek Kelly, Nate Meters, Jalen Wayne all joined during training camp. And so you those guys typically have a lot of work to do to you know, to kind of unseat some of the guys ahead of them. I mean, it, parenthetically, it's it's the reason why what Austin Watkins has done is so impressive, right? Because he joined the team the day before they went down to West Virginia and has been the most productive wide receiver in the preseason in the NFL. Uh, but, but um, you know, the UDFAs that were here since the spring are Caleb Biggers and uh, Thomas Greeny. Both of those guys were signed right after the draft. I thought Biggers showed some things at times in preseason, especially earlier. Um, I think he struggled, certainly. Uh, as the competition increased throughout uh, preseason, you know, I think he was playing against better players, but I, I definitely thought he flashed a few things against the Jets um, uh, that I recall for sure. Um, so that's one where I could see, you know, the potential of a practice squad addition. I think Derek Kelly at times was was pretty good too, played left and right tackle. So would would make sense now that especially that Tyrone Wheatley is out of the building that that they would have uh, eyes on on him as a practice squad develop, de- you know, kind of. This is his year of development uh, to see how he t- comes back next year into the off season. Those are kind of the two names. Other than that, I think these guys were all really pretty much uniformly at the at the back end of the roster. And then the you know the two veterans, yeah. I think Jordan Wilkins. It really just all comes down to what happened in the first quarter on uh, on Saturday. It's so sad, right? Because he did have a a pretty good opportunity in front of him. And, you know, he literally fumbled it away and that's, you know, you never like to see a player lose an opportunity in the NFL because of, of, you know, an obvious mistake like that. Cause I think it really hurts mentally. Um, And then Colby Gossett, that's one that, you know, is interesting to me because I think he is a good player and, and probably will continue to hang around the NFL, but you know, he's not going through waivers. So it'll be interesting to see if he, is interested in hanging around and coming back on the practice squad, or if he has feels like he's got a better opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, could he used a, a few less cuts to uh, Jordan Wilkins on the sideline, looking really distressed. Oh yeah, there. that's the one of the worst things uh, that producers do in these games. You know, leave leave those guys alone is my vote. Except for Ben Roethlisberger, w- when Ben Roethlisberger is <laughs> crying on the sidelines after a playoff game, then you can just freeze frame that. 
or any uh, back camera footage of Lamar Jackson running to take a poop. We're okay with that. <laughs> um, Jordan Wilkins feels like a guy I think should be back on the practice squad if he's willing, if no one else gives him a chance. Yeah. Colby, Colby Gossett, to me, could. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on what they feel like. You know, do they do they like some of these other younger people? Like, I don't, you know, like the West Martins of the world. I'd prefer Gossett, but we'll see. Uh, the others, I, I would prefer just me a different tackle somewhere else outside the current structure to bring in to develop. Uh, I don't really like Derek Kelly, you know, Alex Leatherwood cut today. He yeah. doesn't land here. Yep. I would love to, to bring him over to our, to the practice squad and let Callahan just go to work with him and rebuild him from the yep. ground up. That'd be yep. a great young addition because yes. he was fringing along the NFL as it is. So he's going to be looking somewhere. And if I was his agent, I'd be like, Hey man, Jedrick Will situation, your former teammate. There's an opportunity there. Jack Conklin, yeah, they drafted some guys, but they're always developing better than look what they did with Tyrone Wheatley. Right. You should go there. Yep. And I know they were interested in him back mm-hmm. at the original waiver wire stuff. So that's one to pay attention to. I don't know. I don't really care which tight end. I, I think like Greeny's more of a developmental type that they could take their time with. Forrestall is very familiar with the structure that he could come in and just be active on a game day and be in the right places and all of that. I'm not interested in Cam Bright or Caleb Biggers, so um, maybe Biggers does get a, a look on the practice squad. But yeah, and and not, both of those tight ends were were our three tight end threes. You know, they're not ever going to be more than that, unfortunately. No. And I think we talked about this a few days ago, like finding somebody with a little bit more athletic upside that they could bring along in that practice squad yeah. tight end role would be more interesting to me. That could potentially take Jordan Aiken's spot in a year or two. Same with Zaire Mitchell Payton. I know they're going to release him, wave yeah. him at some point the next two days, but like, I just don't see it. I, yeah, I exactly. Really don't see it. Exactly. So, yep. Um, yep. very open to tight end changes, tackle changes outside mm-hmm. the organization looks there. So that's your 75. That's your news announcements movement today. Like we said, when you're listening to this, things could be already moving very quickly on Monday morning. A lot of decisions are going to happen quickly. And I think most teams by the floor clock number, tomorrow are going to be um, you know I don't think there's going to be any like late announcements I think teams are going to have this done because I think most teams want to be looking forward at who's available instead of just trying to get those those things done Agreed. up to the last minute so Agreed. I think yep. I think Monday will be busier than Tuesday is kind of what I'm saying um, okay we're 40 minutes in but we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back from break word from our sponsors we are going to do sort of a very fast version of our final 53. So we're just going to talk through what we originally said in our rough draft last week and then just update it, see if there's any changes after a game and some some camp dates and stuff like that. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ever been up against buying tickets last minute, can't figure out how to get it done? The OBR group recently tried to go to the Browns preseason. We were up against the clock trying to figure out if we could get tickets hooked up, if we needed to buy them. We had to end up buying them, went to the Game Time app, and let me tell you, this is the best place to find tickets. It should never be stressful. They pride themselves on making it as seamless as possible. Killer deals on last-minute tickets. The best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets. Start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. If you're starting to poke around about getting tickets for Browns-Bengals Week 1, this is the place you need to go Game time has everything you need. You don't have to plan months in advance, but if you do, they have deals on tickets now all the way up until the day. You get images from the seats you'll be sitting in to know what you're looking at, what the view will be, get that low price guarantee. And then talking again, those exclusive flash deals on tickets are what makes the app so great. And the game time guarantee means you'll get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less They'll credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You get those images from your seats. You get tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. They're sent directly to your phone. You never have to dig through your email. So here's what you need to do. Download the GameTime app. Create an account. Use the promo code, quite simply, OBR, for 20% off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code OBR for $20 off. If you want to use the URL, it's GameTime.co, okay? But the app is where it's at. It's perfect app. Download the GameTime app today. Promo code OBR, $20 off. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so Andrew and I both said Deshaun Watson, Dorian Thompson, Robinson would make the roster. So we nailed that. Ding, ding, Virtual ding. Virtual fist bump. So we had said Josh Dobbs practice squad, you know, some people yeah. thought that that would never happen. Right. I'm watching the Chicago Bears cut PJ Walker tonight, who is the yeah. two million guaranteed quarterback, and I'm saying, hey, it can happen, people. So, um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Anyway, Dobbs obviously goes somewhere else. They do a nice trade, but the Kellen Mond thing, I am not. This is not a part of the 53. It's not a part of the prediction. I am. I'm done with it. I would prefer to bring in some other yeah. quarterback to yeah. the practice squad and let them develop. We are both Mike Zimmering very hard with Kellen Mond right okay. now. We 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 have seen, seen him every day. I've seen it. We've seen enough. We've seen enough. All right. On the roster, now running backs. 
Nick Chubb, Jerome Ford, Jordan Wilkins is what you had. I would imagine you will update that to take out Jordan Wilkins and put in Pierre Strong Jr. Do you think they go with four? Or do you think they sit with three? I think they stick with three. I don't I don't see with the changes they've made where they have added depth, real NFL players elsewhere. I don't see the benefit in keeping a player that, you know, um, doesn't move the needle, right? The, the other options don't move the needle for me. And that means, you know, you would be keeping a, keeping a player off the roster elsewhere that does move the needle for a player that doesn't. And yeah. I think what these, what this front office has shown is that they, they, they will keep the best players, even if it unbalances the roster a little bit, because they are very confident in their ability to manipulate the practice squad through elevations and everything to get the game day roster that they want every week. So you made the point earlier, you know, a free agent back after week one, I think they're content with Chubb and strong. And I think Ford at this point, you know, I'm, I'm thinking he's, he might be inactive unless he's practicing, you know, soon this week, if he's practicing Monday, Tuesday, this week, I, I would say he's trending towards being inactive for that first game. And I think, so then it's, you know, Chubb strong, and then maybe they elevate somebody from the practice squad for week one. And then after week one, when all the veteran contracts are no longer guaranteed for the season, then do you talk to somebody like a Leonard Fournette if if you're not sold on the guys that you have? But I mean, you know, Kevin Stefanski hasn't even had Pierre Strong in the building. So that's part of this too. They're going to figure it out over the next few days, whether or not they need another guy. Kareem Hunt continues to keep tabs. I mean, he knows how to play the position in Cleveland. He does. He does. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm actually going to sit at three as well. Uh, the, the, it feels to me like people are using the fourth running back in the, of the past as a way to pre- like predict this and like, Hey man, the offense was running back centric last year. So yep. that made more sense with Jacoby Brissett. And they had more talent Watson. there because they had Dearness Johnson. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but you know, yeah. no Dearness and Kareem and then you know, all that stuff, right? There were right. Big, big layers to that. Exactly. So, I think three is the number, and um, it doesn't mean we still can't see them claim somebody at that position if they love them. Uh, all right, wide receiver, you had seven. You had Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Cedric Tillman, the core four. David Bell feels like he is certainly on the roster. Uh, it comes down to now Austin Watkins, who didn't do much to help his case. In, no, uh, I thought he City. missed a few opportunities, frankly. I did too. Uh, or Marquise Go. I think I had predicted six. Um, I, I am going to say that they are going to keep six and it just turns into Marquise Goodwin after David Bell. That's the number I will say. Do you feel like keeping seven and taking out Jakeem Grant and just plugging in, you know, Marquise Goodwin, or do you want to keep your, keep Austin Watkins on your structure? I'm just looking at what I've got here. I think, I think it makes sense to just replace uh grant with Goodwin. I'm good with it. Okay. I, so I think they're going to, especially with the addition of strong, I think between Ford and strong, they've got a kick returner. Donovan Peoples Jones is their punt returner. I don't think they need, I mean, Jalen Darden hasn't been healthy almost all of the preseason. So I, I think it would really be rolling the dice to keep him as the returner. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think, you know, I think Austin Watkins is, is, you know, I think that, that depth at wide receiver is valuable. The, you know, all seven of those guys are talented players that will play a role this year at, at, at different times. Okay, you keep seven, I keep six. We keep saying the same three tight ends. Yeah, we keep hearing nothing about Harrison Bryant, even though we yeah had still some, out with a medical issue. Some sprinkle last week of he's expected back soon. Yep. Yep. We are now on Monday, the week before game week, and we don't have any. I mean, you know, we'll and, see. Maybe there's a Monday Tuesday update here, but this is still 
alarming. Well, and yeah, point. and 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 with Goodwin getting the all clear, it's like you know this would have been if if you're giving good news on Goodwin, it's a time to also give good news on Bryant. So yeah, it's it's definitely not yep. comforting. Um, I do think Mitchell Payton is probably that <clears throat> replacement. Uh, Yikes! I know. Keep an eye on a claim there too. Just well, to, sure, to absolutely, apply. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, there's you know a veteran guy that maybe has a little bit more uh, burst or whatever, but uh, just in terms of guys that are that have been on the roster throughout camp, I think, I you know, I think uh, it makes more sense for it to be Mitchell Payton than bringing. He's Forrest the only Paul one that's not waived. That's what I'm saying. That's point. what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thank yeah, you. so that's the only. He's the survivor. Uh, four offensive tackles is what we have. I don't think we can argue it now. I mean, no. It, no, it would it would be a Joe Haig situation, like where they brought in somebody unexpected. Well, that is but, worth mentioning because the Eagles cut Dennis Kelly. Yeah, uh, not to be confused yeah. with Derek Kelly. Dennis <laughs> Kelly is a a veteran swing tackle, has played both right and left in the NFL, and so you know uh, if they are not sold on James Hudson, if they think James Hudson can, can move to guard, maybe they bring somebody like that in and and, and push Hudson inside you know, and, and basically increase your depth because now you've got a, a, essentially a fifth tackle, you know, with, with keeping Hudson. So I, I, that, you know, is possible to me. Uh, but, but I think, yeah, the, the Wheatley thing makes it more clear that it's going to be four tackles. The uh, Patriots swung a trade for another offensive lineman. The Vikings are trading Vidarian low to the Patriots oh, sure. for a okay. six round pick. This is like um, what Belichick did with uh, tight ends year. two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 searching hard over there. Uh, okay, so we're keeping four there. Interior O lineman. Uh, we have five at this point: Joel Batonio, Wyatt Teller, Ethan Postage, Nick Harris, Luke Whipler. I'm. I don't know if you're going to change yours, but I and originally I had said I'm going to keep Michael Dunn, so I'm going to keep Dunn, and that puts, you know, so, so that puts ten offensive linemen for me, nine for you, unless you're changing. Are you changing that choice or not? No, it's the same okay. that I thought before. I think they've got enough backup guards that they can stash them on the practice squad. They don't need the roster spot. Okay, so I'm going to say they keep done, go to 10. That's where we uh, change the number from and, quarterback or uh, from yeah. wide receivers where you have seven. Right, exactly. And, and I think still a chance of a Nick Harris trade tomorrow, uh, or I should Very say Monday so. or Tuesday. Yeah. Very much so. You have five defensive ends, Miles, Zadarius, Okoronkwo, Isaiah McGuire, and then the short-term situation to keep Alex Wright yep. on the roster. Okay. I think I agree. I don't see any other route. I definitely am very intrigued by Sam Kamara mm-hmm. on the practice squad. So mm-hmm. hopefully that works out. Yeah, those five make sense. We've seen some people predict six defensive tackles. I can't quite get there. Um, I will I will also do five. So Dalvin, Shelby, Siaki are the um, most logical ones. I'm going to keep... Maurice Hurst, and I'm going to keep uh, Tristan Hill. I'm going to try to get Tommy Togiai back on the practice squad, and I am still all the way out on Jordan Elliott. But you might still be in. <laughs> I mean, you, you still, know, you you know I'm out. This is where, if I was making the oh, call, no, you love Elliott, Elliott's Don't cut. Don't blame it on the Bills. Elliott, Elliott was him. cut at the end of last offseason to send a message. I would have fired Joe Woods and then cut Jordan Elliott. Same, same phone call. <laughs> like, Joe, can you put Jordan on the phone? Yeah, hey, can you? Yeah, I know this is yeah. tough news, but can yeah. you pass that yeah. over? Would you, you would you mind handing Jordan Elliott the phone, please? Because I just don't want to have to dial the phone again. That's how little time I yeah. want to spend on this. 
All right. Well, you heard it here. And Andrew loves Jordan Elliott. <laughs> I think it. he that's is going to make the roster. Okay. I hate I hate it if he does. Same, I will, I'll roll buddy. my Same. eyes into the back of my skull. Same. Linebackers, you have six. Uh, mm-hmm. And we should have mentioned this. The big news is that there's an MCL injury to Jordan Kanasich, right? Yeah. So yeah. that that certainly dampers um what is a I mean, it's a feel good story. A guy who's kind mm-hmm. of been around the league and hovering and had a real chance to make this roster. To me, it, it it is a removal for him. I don't. I just don't feel like they can try to get him through and then bring him back off fire. Maybe they do, but I don't. I don't see it. I think now you keep six, and it's JOK. You have JOK, Anthony Walker, Sione Taki Taki, Matthew Adams, Jordan Kanasich, and Mahmoud Diabate. Mm-hmm. I would take out Kanasich and make it Tony Fields, who I thought played really, really well Sunday, uh, Saturday. So. That's my six. Are you making the same six, or are you going to do something else? Cut it down to five. I think Kanasich. I, I, I mean, this is where like whether we're predicting what's going to happen or what we would do is, you know, to to be clear, I am not predicting what I would do. I'm I'm or saying what I would do. I'm predicting what I think the Browns will do. I think the Browns really. Oh, like- well, we're doing this differently. I'm doing what I would do. <laughs> okay, well, so you're getting two versions, folks. You're getting my version, which is Jake's <laughs> fifty three, and Andrew is being not Andrew Spade. He's being Andrew Barry. That's right. In this one, so yeah. I just wanted to clarify that for everybody. He, well, you think they're going to keep Kanasich and try to get him through yeah. an IRM? Yeah. Okay. Well, because I, I think they, they have flexibility because they're gonna they're gonna they they're gonna cut Cade York, right? Uh and 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 there are other places yeah. that, that they can cut a player and so they can get below fifty three, carry Alex Wright and Jordan Kanasich, maybe even Isaiah Thomas, short term IR all three, and then they've got three spots to add guys through waivers or whatever, you know, other further machinations they want to engage in. We'll see. You gotta claim that kicker quickly if you if you wanna if you wanna make it work. Yeah, you're right. We'll see, you're right. I mean, um, I think it's. I think it, to me, it's it's going to be a veteran because if you're moving on from Cade York, right, which they have to, then it's the classic when you fire a hard ass coach, you hire a players coach, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. It, the same thing applies for kickers. When you when you cut a kicker who is young and tempestuous and talented, all you want is the most reliable veteran in the room, right? And so those guys are going to be free agents, not waiver claims. Alrighty, so you're keeping him. Are you? Are you? What are you doing with Tony Fields? You still letting him go? Yeah, he's cut. He's going on the practice squad. Someone's claiming that guy, buddy. I'm telling you right now. All right, cornerbacks, five of them. Let's now the Denzel wrestling. Ward thing. The, the the Denzel Ward thing gets strange. Yeah, it sure does. Because his concussion stuff has not been like, hey, yeah. he's back in five days. It yep. has taken multiple weeks. So, yep. I said it on the radio up there in Cleveland today. Like he is jeopardy for the first few weeks here i I, mean, I certainly don't view 100%. him as a part of the week one operation so now it becomes it because he plays the bengals really freaking well oh yeah of course it does so you know you're keeping denzel greg emerson cameron mitchell and mike ford i think i'm keeping six now yeah exactly and making aj green a part of that operation that's so, the move yep and not that aj green has really earned it no by any stretch but no i think he i guess they could the door. still claim some yeah they could still claim someone too so yeah you know, we'll see. But yeah, I think AJ Green has just been around and there's comfort in the organization with him. Yep. But uh keep your eye on maybe somebody else. Uh safeties, you have five, Juan Thornhill, Grant Delpit, Rodney McLeod, DeAnthony Bell, Ronnie Hickman. I will agree with that five if you're keeping that one at the same number. Well, I can't because I'm keeping six cornerbacks now. So I've gotta I've gotta cut one of the safeties. So I'll 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 
assume they're going to try and sneak Hickman through waivers and go four with, with Bell as the fourth. Guess I agreed. I kept six backers. I just kept Tony instead of Kanasich. So right. we added a corner. We do have to trim because you went. We both did three running backs. Yeah. You know, we're crossing. We're carrying numbers over. Crossing now. Carry it over. Add the one. <laughs> I think we're going to be at fifty three. Nobody really fact checks these things anyway, right? We're okay. God, I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. Um, the quotes from. You know, Bubba about about DeAnthony Bell are hard to ignore. He was DeAnthony Bell was not good yesterday. No, so he was a liability it, as a as a, as was, a on the field safety. Yeah, special teams is special teams, but yeah, he was bad on the field. So so that does open the possibility that Schwartz prefers Hickman to Bell, and says, yeah. you know, tells Bubba to go pound sand. I think to me, if we're doing these two different ways, you're doing Andrew Barry's and I'm doing my own, I would keep Ronnie Hickman over D'Anthony Bell. Okay, That's just me. there you go. Yeah. Um, specialist, yeah. I, I mean, I think Cade York gets moved on. I think they, I think that we referenced it on the show yesterday. They want to, they want to keep, no one's claiming him. There's no team in their right mind. Now, I know some teams are beat up, and I guess it's like the 49ers who are dealing with some injuries could say, screw it we'll take a risk on the talent in a, in a fresh place for this kid and see what's up. Give him a couple weeks, see what's up. It's possible. And then he starts out hot and he's the best thing to happen to San Francisco since the trolleys. But like, uh, I think to me, it's, it's, it feels like no one is going to like an organization is not going to claim him because how could you justify that to your owner? Um, so, I think they want to get him back in the practice squad. The question does Cade York want to be on this practice squad? I don't see any reason he wouldn't. The organization has stood by him, said all the right things. Even today when Stefanski's language softened about him and kind of, I mean, as close as Stefanski can come to saying they're not going to keep him on the roster is as close as he can. I mean, he's basically said, we'll see like that. That is uh that's tough. And, and, but they, you know, he also said they still believe in him. I think they want him to develop here. But to me, Andrew, how does he develop? He's not doing – he's great in practice. His yeah. issue is getting out in front of faces in a stadium and feeling nervous in an NFL atmosphere and forgetting everything that matters to the role. Like I'm watching these kicks he's missing and shanking left yesterday. He is so worried about the bodies flying around his feet. He can't <laughs> kick. Like I'm telling you, he is looking at these people – around his feet like he has he's in his head about this stuff like people being around his legs are hitting him like he that first one where we kind of poked fun at it it was a phantom hit like he got grazed on the shin i am telling you man and again you guys can get mad at me on this podcast for saying this i don't care he wanted to get hurt i i am telling you he wanted to get hurt he wanted it to be done. He's tired of the pressure. The way he snapped in the post-game presser, he's tired of it, the mental side of it. It's worn him out. And then he's like, oh, well, I didn't really get hurt, and the film will show it, and I got to go back out there and kick, right? Like, Yep. It's, it is DOA, man. He cannot kick for the Browns. He can maybe pick, put him on the practice squad and allow him the chance to develop. But, boy, once you lose the Cleveland audience – in this kicking role, they really make it uncomfortable for you. Yeah. And if I were him, Andrew, I would say thank you for the thought. If I had another team serious about giving me a practice squad chance, mm -hmm. I would probably go there because much like the Schwartz thing, they held on to him about a year too long. 
this place has turned on him. Not the organization, who I think has done right by him. 100%. The, 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 the way that this all, the aura around him is not, ugh, I yeah. just, I don't know, man. So I no, feel I like I've right. been more certain than ever that they're going to have another kicker in the opener. Yeah. I mean, they have to. They absolutely have to. And and I think you're right that, that he won't be part of the practice squad because I think it's not not because the Browns don't want him back, but because he understands that if he's going to be successful, he needs a fresh start, you know, and, and, you know, honestly, th- this is in that level of thing of where if he doesn't want to put the time and effort into understanding what went wrong, it's not, he's never going to get over it. Right. So he, he needs to also, whether it's here or somewhere else, rededicate himself to kind of understanding what went wrong and what needs to change for next time. Because, yeah. What what was most striking about the post game comments yesterday was not the 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 content of the answer. It's the it's the body language with which he's delivering it. It it is the the sense of being completely shut down. You know, and I know like I can't imagine the psychological feeling of doing what he did in that game. And then having to answer questions afterwards. Like, I don't know why he didn't just no comment and walk away. That's what I think anybody would do in that situation. But he decided to stand there and talk to those people. He didn't have to. There's no requirement. He's not the quarterback or the head coach. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and it's the preseason. So there's no reason he couldn't just uh, collect his things as quickly as possible and get out of the locker room before the media arrives. That's well within his right to go be on the bus or, you know, Find a barbecue spot by the stadium. Whatever you want to do, man. Just don't don't stand there and answer questions that you didn't have to answer and then act that way. Because it tells me that he doesn't think that he's wrong. And that, that's the part that bothers me the most is when I watch that video, it looks to me like a person that does not accept responsibility for being in the situation that they're in. And he thinks the organization somehow has put him in this situation. So I think when he gets waived on Tuesday, he will be very happy to see the backside of Cleveland. I think Cleveland will be happy to see his backside as well. It yep. is just, it is just in a bad, it's a bad place. And, uh, and while in theory, you know, it'd be great to think to yourselves, we can develop this young man, work with the sports psychologist, get him a kicking coach that we all align with and get him right. You know, and he can do it here on the side, work here while we bring in like a Robbie Gould, a veteran who's going to be done after a year right? That's all great in theory, but there's a lot of people issues to that whole thing. And and you're right. It feels like between the injury, phantom injury thing, between the way he handled the post-game presser that he chose to do, like you said, it smells like a guy who's tired of Cleveland. And I got news for you, man. There's maybe like two franchises you can hide on as a bad kicker and not get scrutiny. It's everywhere. It's everywhere, man. This isn't LSU. This is this is this is very broad. So um I also think this is the first time kicking hasn't been natural for him. The the pressure of it is mm-hmm. has altered him mentally. And um, like you said, still not old enough, mature enough to understand his role in that. And uh, I think that's that's pretty evident. So new kicker, that's coming. Get ready for that. Yeah, we'll see. Can't wait. It's going to be great. Can't wait. can't wait for it not to be the solution. <laughs> you can't. There's no reason to feel positive. Why would we? I mean, it hasn't. There's no, nothing exactly. positive yeah. around the kicking situation. Right. It's so damn long. Yeah. 
So the only thing I will say is there are a few. There are a few. You mentioned Robbie Gold's name. Nick Folk is in this competition in New England. Uh, you know, and he's a veteran. He's been there and done that. And then, uh, you know, I saw somebody on Twitter mention Randy Bullock, which is sure. a name. Let's was in go. Cincinnati for a while. Well, my only point is these are guys that have kicked in the league for multiple years. These can, are not second-year guys. Can we just have them they, wear the opposing team's uniform? Because when a, an opposing kicker right. kicks against Cleveland, they make everything. They look fantastic. Yeah, yeah you're so right. You're right. And, of course, I, look, for that I would movie? be remiss if I didn't mention that we saw footage last week of Phil Dawson kicking a 55-yarder. He is the head coach for a, a school in Texas, and he uh, striped a 55-yarder. Uh, on the high school field. So yeah, he's taking a decade I mean, off. Why not run it? I don't care. Bring Joe Thomas and Phil Dawson back. Who's saying Joe no? could be a third tight end at this point, right? Yep. Yep. So yep. You know, desperate times on, on a pretty good roster, but, but some spots that <laughs> you'd like to see. Yeah, the kicker situation is bad. And I, I but again, the, the thing the, is it the, can't, it's, it's gotta go up. It can only get better. Right. Like, I cannot imagine well, them but, getting yes. somebody truly no. worse than what Cade put on the film last year and into this year. And you right. can try to play the game of it was going to bounce back. He's going to get, he's two kicks away from, you know, I come on, man. It's the, it's the mistypes. It's the hitting the ball, right? type. It's like a weekend golfer yeah. trying to hit a drive, mm-hmm. man. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So the, the issue now is that they've created a narrative that now will become a running question if the person that comes in next is not pretty much flawless for the first few weeks. Because as soon as that kicker misses, we're right back in the same loop. And this this has been something that has haunted franchises, right? The Bears for years, uh, the Vikings, you know. There there have been franchises that, you know, you you taste success and then the kicker is the thing that holds you back and it and it feels almost comical to be in the a position of having a really good team that's held back by a guy that can't hit the ball well. It's gonna get. It's gonna work out. It's gonna be great. Positive energy coming go. from great. the OBR film breakdown. I'm just telling. You, it's gonna be great. We. It's, it's a needed left turn for us for sure. Apparently, uh, we are going to do um, <laughs> one more show uh, Tuesday. I will do the all 22 review with you guys. You'll get your active roster. Then Wednesday, you will probably get a replay of that uh, OBR Twitch stream where we are going to break down every decision that was made. And then again. Thursday, Friday, there are going to be other decisions. Like the real roster doesn't come together until like week, you know, Saturday, Sunday, it pretty much forms. And then game week is Monday and you're rolling and that's your roster. So there's deadlines. Tuesday's deadline is there, but then there's the claim process, how long that takes and all of the stuff surrounding all of this. So like I said, the roster you initially get told about won't be the roster that you see week one. It'll move a lot. We're going to keep you privy to all of it. Long podcast, but a lot of good stuff here. A busy day for your Browns. Andrew, appreciate you being here. You guys, I appreciate you stopping by as well. Pay attention this week. Some great deals coming up on annual subscriptions to the OBR that I uh, continue to say over and over as you hear me. The best Browns community you can find online. Forum opportunities that are unparalleled to develop some some really nice Browns conversations on top of the, the content you get on a daily basis coverage of training camp around the team, the players, the coaching decisions, the film, the cap, it's all there for you. So take advantage of these opportunities coming up both Monday and Tuesday to get a great subscription deal. Thanks for checking out the OBR film breakdown, continuing to rate and review the pod and helping Browns fans find this podcast as we have formed a pretty nice community ourselves around this pod. So again, thanks to Andrew. We appreciate you guys being here. Check out the OBR. Go Browns. Go Browns.